Hello, this is Todd O'Brien, your host, and welcome to Evolve the Entrepreneur Mindset. My name is Lisa, and I have two superpowers. The first is being perceptive, and the second is articulating the intangible. And today, I'm feeling energized about being an entrepreneur. My guest today is an amazing woman. She is an entrepreneur, an author, and a professional executive coach. She grew up in a family of entrepreneurs where she was always launching and running the family businesses. As an adult, she raised two children while launching multiple businesses, including a music school and coaching businesses in London and Dubai. She also worked for McKinsey. She currently works as an executive coach at Procore, a software construction company. I have known her for over 30 years. She inspires me every day. We have recently celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Please welcome to the show, Lisa O'Brien. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. You know, you grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Your grandfather, your uncle, your brother, and many others in your family have had many successful businesses. So it's really no surprise that you chose to follow that path for your life as well. What is a common theme for those people in your life that has really inspired you? Yeah, that's a great question. For a while, I and maybe this is something you can add to a podcast later to see if there are any scientific researchers, like genetic researchers, like is there a genetic factor to entrepreneurship? That, that's something I'm really curious about. That's super interesting. Yeah, because my, like you said, my entire family, they're all entrepreneurs. And when I think about those particular men who have had a ton of success, a um, man who taught me a lot about entrepreneurship, I think there's a couple things that I think that they have in common. Of course, I have a skill. The world has a need. And of course, I'm going to start a business to meet that need. Like it's a way of being. It's not really a choice, I think, with them. And it was just like something they had to do. You're the only woman in your family as well that is an entrepreneur, which I find really interesting. It's it's very similar to the world we live in where there's there's so fewer women entrepreneurs than there are men entrepreneurs. And I wonder that in that environment, what have you learned about yourself as a woman coming from that environment? Yeah, I mean, I think there was, I think as a young woman, it was really complicated because it felt like, hey, leave the heavy lifting to the boys, mm. right? Grandpa, uncle, brother, we're the geniuses in the family. We're the ones who kind of got into this. You're, you stay with the girls. And I think that there was a way that I still had this hunger. But what I learned was that was their way of doing entrepreneurship. That was their way of being successful. And I think as a young woman, I started to realize pretty early, like if I am going to allow my entrepreneurial spirit to blossom, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it in my own way. And that's not at all going to look like how they've done it. I almost had to become a little bit of like a black sheep. Yeah. Like I had to literally go in the opposite direction Hmm. uh, to the point that they were like, what are you doing? Have you learned nothing from being in this family? (laughs) And I realized I had to kind of carve my own path and figure it out in my own way because I was going to have an expression of entrepreneurship 
that was unique to me, both because I'm me and because I'm a woman. Yeah. You know, I think probably one of the most entrepreneurial things I've ever seen you do in your life, even though you've started businesses and things like this, is parenting. You didn't come by it naturally. And you had a lot to learn about being a parent, just like all young parents do, do as well. I wonder how did you find that sort of inner entrepreneurial inner strength to raise kids in such a way that you did? I mean, we could probably talk forever about our kids like most parents. Right? Sure. I mean, our kids are amazing. I mean, they're brilliant, yes. of course. But I saw you really taking things and creating and innovating in parenting. And I learned so much from you through that. How did you find that strength? Thanks. It was complicated for me. It didn't feel like it came naturally to me like it did other people. And I think what happened was when I realized that it wasn't going to come naturally to me, that I wasn't just going to be one of those parents who was like a real natural parent, that I was actually going to have to create something that didn't exist Mm. in myself and for my kids. And so like you would with any business, like you would with any venture, You kind of go, all right, if I got to create something that doesn't exist, what do I want it to look like and what's important to me and what's success look like? Like, what are my metrics that I'm saying? This is what successful parenting would look like for me. And I had to kind of parent with the end in mind. And what that did for me is it enabled me to like really make mistakes and make them fast apologize and course correct because I knew exactly where I was trying to go and I knew I had no idea how to get there, which isn't that the journey of every entrepreneur. Very very wise words for any entrepreneur. And I just saw the relation and thanks for walking us through that. Yeah. You know, you're working right now for a growing unicorn company, Procore. I am. And it's exciting to watch you and your journey as an executive coach. But I wonder, like, what are the one or two things that you could encourage founders and entrepreneurs to really think about and how maybe has your your recent entry into the corporate world changed your thinking as well? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good. That's two really good questions. We start with the last one. How has my thinking or my experience changed entering into the corporate world? It's a challenge. Like, I love it. My company is amazing. I mean, we've been nominated for like one of the best places to work in Austin, one of the best places on Glassdoor, one of the best places for women. So I work for an amazing company. And even a recent award for coaching. We well too. We did win the 2019 International Coach Federation Prism Award, which is essentially saying by professional coaching standards, they've not they've awarded us as the best coaching culture and this is in the globally. world. This yeah. is globally. I mean, this is really high praise. <clears throat> yeah, it's very high praise. I mean, some of the previous winners are Coca-Cola and Google and yeah. there's some really, you know, big hitter, big players. Yeah, so really we're cool. super proud of it. And my company is an amazing company. They've created a great culture and working inside a large organization that's someone else's dream, that someone else's vision with thousands of other people all trying to be aligned and fulfill, you know, a similar mission, um, a similar vision is it's a real challenge. It's it's a little bit like I've been walking my whole life on two feet and somebody just threw me into a pool and I can't find the bottom anymore. Mm. (laughs) Good analogy. And so I'm finding muscles that I didn't know existed and I'm swallowing water and there's kind of a lot going on for me. But it's amazing because it's to me, it's yet another it's another extension of my entrepreneurial journey because I'm able to pull in a lot of my entrepreneurial skills 
and they seem so counterintuitive or they seem so innovative when they really are just sort of the thing that I've been doing for a really long time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think to your other question about what would I encourage founders to think about, I think I've said this in every single business I've ever started in every single project I've ever started. And it's this phrase that I used when I was talking about parenting. It's, I start with the end in mind. Yeah. What do I want to accomplish? What do, What does success look like to me? And sometimes that's not fame and fortune. And it's not that. Mm. It's this like, what, what does success look like to me? What is it that I'm going to produce? What is it that I'm going to create? How am I going to feel? How are those working around me going to feel? What's this going to offer to the world? What's this in service to? And if I can keep the end in mind, it allows me to like be very agile and flexible when yeah. obstacles come because they do. <laughs> and it allows um, it allows you to be able to build something that matters to you. And I think that's the thing that I would tell founders. Yeah. You know, in this podcast, we talk a lot about self-awareness emotional intelligence, kind of buzzwords, really. But we talk about it in a way that I really hope that you can also uncover some new insights to this is in your life, how have these things showed up for you? Yeah, I mean, they they really are buzzwords. But for me and in my current profession, I'm so glad they're buzzwords (laughs) because they're things that haven't been talked about in a business context. There are things that have been talked about in all these other contexts that it's like, yeah, but that's not business. We don't care about emotional intelligence or (laughs) self-awareness in business. And it's like, actually, there is a ton of research out there that says that the most high performing teams and organizations are those with leaders and founders and entrepreneurs who come at it from a place of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And I think we're an entrepreneur in order to be successful, there's a certain degree of self-awareness and awareness of your impact on others and awareness of others that's imperative to success. We could rewind the clock a couple years ago and hear about all kinds of young tech startup companies that had all this success. There's one that starts with a U that's quite popular. It ends with a burr. Is that what it, is? it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a phenomenon and it's the globe's taken over the globe and it's a disruptor and all of this stuff. Yay. If the person who is at the top of that food chain, if the founder of that organization was only trying to disrupt the world, mm. that is exactly what you accomplished. And then came due to a lack of self-awareness and due to a lack of emotional intelligence, scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal that has almost, you know, had a really profound impact on the organization. And so like my curiosity gets all sparked is like, okay, maybe someday you'll talk to Travis. Maybe he'll have, (laughs) you know, some kind of shift in his mindset. But like what I would get curious about is like, what if somebody were to push the pause button you know, three or four years before the scandals broke and Travis was able to have some kind of connection or conversation with somebody where his self-awareness started to open up and his emotional intelligence started to grow and he had the ability to fail fast and to course correct and to do all of these things where he was bringing out the best in himself Mm. instead of the worst in himself, like where would it be now? That's where I get really curious. 
That's a really interesting point. People have this idea about what self-awareness is. Sometimes it's this overthought kind of processed view of what self-awareness is or what yeah. higher consciousness is or whatever. Sure. So like there's kind of extremes on either side, just like there is with anything. Yeah. And so the point that you're making is very valid. Like if we could stop and really look at our lives in a different way, even now, what are the things we would actually stop and look at? Yeah. And I love I love what you're talking about, the juxtaposition of of this strange thing called self-awareness, which is, you know, what even is that? It means different yeah. things to different people yeah. all over the world and in different cultures. And I think if I were to take that concept and like narrow it down to this tiny little bite-sized morsel that makes sense for everybody, and this is how I use it in my life, for me, self-awareness is about observing and noticing what is happening inside me when I'm having a podcast with my husband, hmm. when I'm at work coaching an executive, when I'm on the back of a horse on a trail ride on the weekend, when I'm, you know, cooking dinner. Self-awareness is nothing more than keen observation and keen noticing of what's happening inside you. Today, this episode is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Save the Children believes that every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, they work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including the hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future that we share. Right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health risk and crisis of our lifetime, and it threatens children every day. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, they can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. For as little as $5, you can feed children, give them learning supplies, help them have a home library. You can do all of this by just going to savethechildren.org slash savekids. That's www.savethechildren.org slash Save kids. You've been married to this crazy entrepreneur. I have. For 30 years now. I have. Almost 30 years. It's been a wild ride, friend. And we've had <laughs> we we've had some really crazy rides. Oh, I think yeah. some that were shouldn't have happened. Yeah, you know they've been listening to you for a really long time. Ask yes. questions. Can I tell a story about you? Okay. So I remember early in our marriage. Now, mind you, I'm not an entrepreneurial like uh, flower. Okay, entrepreneurship has been a huge part of my family. You talked about it. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My uncle was an entrepreneur. We worked to help him build, you know, hardware stores and all of us chipped in because it was a family business. My father was an entrepreneur. My brother was an entrepreneur. Like this is something I've done. And when we first got married, I think it was within our first year of marriage. Mm. I was working full time. You were in university finishing a degree and we had three side gigs 
two of which were entrepreneurial businesses that we started because, well, why the hell not? So you started these three side businesses because we were young and broke and living in California. And I remember one night when we were can't remember exactly the chain of events, but essentially we had driven 24 hours. We had done one of the jobs then we had done the second job. And then you said, oh, yeah, by the way, this third job, we have a special project we have to do. It'll probably only take two or three hours to finish it. Um, And I remember about nine hours later, I was in it with you. I finally sort of put my back against the wall and just let my body slide to the floor. And I said very clearly and looked you in the eye and said, it's times like this that I feel like we have just a little too much to do. (laughs) And that has kind of become a mantra for our 30 year journey of entrepreneurship and marriage. There are many times where we had a little too much, little too much to do. And I think we've, we've learned from self-awareness yes, to not get ourselves in those positions as much as we used to. We have been able to observe and notice what's happening in <laughs> us to make different choices, which is yeah. the whole point of yeah. self-awareness. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about you and a personal passion project for you right now, because you have work and you have family and all these things going on. But what are you passionate about right now and how are you showing up in it? Well, it's really funny that you ask me today what I'm passionate about. So I really love being an executive coach and I love working inside an organization to help it to develop. And that's my day job. And that's what I do Monday through Friday. Yeah. And my new passion project has absolutely nothing to do with money or success or anything. It has to do with just fun, literally fun. So my new passion project is horsemanship. Mm. It's January. It's the first of the year. And I am partnering with a local stable here in Texas to do a year of horsemanship, um, which is going to have me out on the ranch once a week, just doing all things horses, bareback, trail riding, basic grooming, tack, all kinds of learning. And for me, it's a way of being able to both kind of let all the stress go because it's really hard to be in your head and think when you're with a horse. They also are amazing teachers. So it becomes Mm -hmm. an opportunity for me to learn. And at the end of the day, it's just fun. Do you see comparisons or similarities to like a life of an entrepreneur when you're with a horse? Totally. It's so funny that you asked me that. So I went on a trail ride today. Okay. And we were with, um, there were about 15 horses. And the, a lot of horses. It was a lot of horses. Yeah. Um, it was it was very fun and really challenging. And we everyone who had their seat in a saddle was working. And there was a varying degree of, of riders, people who were really good riders and people who were beginners. And the thing that I noticed is people who are beginner riders, they think that riding a horse is sitting in a saddle and letting the horse do all the work. Mm. And so there was a couple that had never ridden horses before and they literally just sat in this like like they were sitting on the couch and their shoulders were slumped. And I mean, this is like not like this is a hilly trail. This is the hills of Texas, Um, you know. And so what I noticed is because they weren't engaged in the partnership of what was happening between their horse, their horse was totally in control. And multiple times their horse kind of ran away with them. Mm. And I think 
Isn't that true of entrepreneurs who are like really not engaged and in partnership with their business, with their idea, with their innovation? They they just are kind of sitting there on the couch thinking it's just going to it's just going to happen. And then their business runs away with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's that's definitely one thing that I noticed today. And the opposite is true. Right. The riders who are in their seat and really partnering with the horses. It didn't matter what was happening. There were, I mean, there were obstacles galore. We had three horses that were being towed behind other horses that had no riders because they were trying to break them. And we had like horse politics. There were like three or four horses that didn't want to be anywhere near each other. And we ended up in this like ravine where there was about six feet between the trees. And these horses were like literally nose to butt. Mm. And we had all these, you know, so the riders who were really in their seat and partnered with their horse, they were able to like bob and weave and move out of the way and create, you know, space for the other horses and any obstacle that came in front of us, we were able to just have fun and move around it. And I think that's true for entrepreneurs as well. They're engaged in their business and obstacles come and they're like, great, we're going to go this way. Great. Let's pivot over here. It's really similar. Yeah. I think there's so much to learn about life from horses. Totally. And and you can apply it to to a lot of different things. Kind of like people always apply golf to life. Sure. It's it's similar, but the horses really do speak to us and they they mirror us. And it is a really interesting thing to to hear you talk about. The other things that I like to talk a lot about on this is intention. Mm -hmm. And and this is really kind of a a newer concept for me Mm -hmm. is like finding my intention every day or really looking to see how I show up as an entrepreneur. And I know that with your coaching and all this, that you've, you've been doing this for many, many, many years. And I just wonder on this subject in itself, like what have you learned about like intention for yourself? How does it show up in your life? Mm. What I have learned in my life is intention is extremely powerful, positive and negative. <laughs> uh, also, like, like unpack it for us. Yeah. So for me, when I set my intention really clearly, what happens for me is it's a little bit like imagine yourself in like a meadow that you've never been in before and there's fog everywhere. Okay. And you think you know which way is north. You have a pretty good idea. But the reality is you have no idea. You're a human. And For me, when I set a very clear intention, and let me add this, when I set a very clear intention and I articulate it out loud, when I hear myself speak that intention, it's like this laser beam of light that goes from like my belly out into the fog. And so no matter what's out there that's unknown, no matter what's out there that's going to become an obstacle or get in my way or become difficult or challenges or anything like that, it's like that light is able to keep me headed north. That intention, when I set that intention and when I speak it and articulate it out loud, it just becomes like a compass for me. Yeah. So much can be learned from that. And I think that as an entrepreneur, if you can learn how to set these intentions, positive intentions, positive intentions. let's be clear, because yeah. there is a distinction. And I've certainly That's learned, I certainly learned from that as well. I've accidentally set negative intentions, mm. right? I am a failure. I will never succeed at this. They will never let me in. They will never have a conversation with me. There's no way they will say yes. Those are intentions too. That becomes your mantra and how your life is led. 100%. And rather than them becoming a light, it's like they just thicken the fog. Mm. If people are wanting to know more about some of these skills, 
around mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, around setting intentions, around mindsets. What would you recommend? Are there some particular like starter books or podcasts or anything that you can think of where people can just dive in and and start to scratch the surface on this if it's something new to them? Sure. Well, I hope you've talked about Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence. It's like the place to start. I'm making the assumption that's already been talked about here. Yeah. I mean, I have a ton of other resources in terms of where do you start? I have a couple that are like my favorite go-tos. They're like the books that are like not super common. They're a little awkward, maybe would be how you would say them. Um, But I love recommending them. So one of them is The Four Agreements. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking about intention. Mm. It's a really great book. It's a little odd because it's written by this shamanistic um, author who gets, you know, pretty kind of into the like metaphysical and into the spiritual. And he he's like really drawing from places that are not our normal, common left brain, Western world, pragmatic place. And if you can open your mind a little bit and just let him be who he is, what he actually delivers in terms of the four agreements become such a great foundation to learn how to become more self-aware, observing yourself and noticing yourself and becoming more emotionally intelligent, which is also observing others and being aware of others. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. It was great to have you on the show. I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. 